Are you ready to go? Fiction Gun? Welcome everyone to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Rang, and joining me today is Dawn. Dawn, I missed you so much last week. I mean, the week before that. <laughs> and then I expressed how much I missed you the week which was last. But this week, I miss you a little less. <laughs> <laughs> I guess familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, yes. Um... We're dealing with episode five this week. Um, it's called The Girl Who Plays Flute. And after watching it, I'm kind of trying to figure out which girl plays flute. Uh, do I have to guess which girl plays flute? It would be Nehru. Yeah, what flute? Or did it mean uh, fruit? No, I think it meant flute because you don't misspell. It's actually the girl flautist, isn't it? Which oh, is I'm sorry. Awkward. Yeah, well, in Japanese, it just says, it just says the girl plays flute. Like, there's no, like, one word for a flautist. <laughs> there's, Japanese has, like, that's interesting to me, you don't have a word for flautist, and yet there is a word for every sound anything can possibly make. No, I just don't know what the word for flautist is, but it's not, like, it's not like I'm seeing the character's for what would be the job of flautist. Like, I don't think that people go around saying that I am the person who plays flute. Um, I think they probably have a, like, actual word for flautist. Anyway, uh, I didn't see a girl who was a flautist. There's no flute in the episode. Oh, yeah, I did I not see that. anything that was a flute. But you did ruin my joke about the fruit because there is fruit in this series like remember when they were at the hotel the the hospital and she brought the fruit and rika ate it all again proving my point that rika's kind of a bitch i like her i like her because i was her you were not stealing the fruit i i can promise you that no you're right i hated fruit but if i (laughs) liked it you better believe i would have stole it all right well I mean, I hated all food when I was her age. <laughs> I liked chicken. It's true, you liked chicken. chicken, and you would tolerate broccoli in like an inch of butter. Oh, I don't remember eating it with an inch of butter. I oh, remember yes, just, did. I remember just like hating it. My mom boiled it. You can't put butter on boiled broccoli. I'm sorry, you must be misremembering. I, I. I recall your father being explicit about your rejection of vegetables that were not soaked in butter within an inch of their lives. Well, I did love, I still do love corn on the cob soaked in butter, but it's basically the only one. I mean, I mean potatoes, really obviously. Starch. Too. Everyone Enemy says rate. that, but everyone eats that shit. Yeah, I'm not saying they it's bad. It. They eat it in place of vegetables. Well, that's their own mistake. Is it, though? <laughs> That's what we feed pigs. Uh, well, yes, but we don't tend to feed them a lot of butter. Yeah, that's not such a great thing, right? Pigs are omnivorous. They'll eat anything. Episode starts. The episode of Wonder Egg Priority, which is this fifth series we're covering here on Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. Uh, this is a good one. And uh, this episode, 
I'd say that it's mostly about the girls sort of coming together. Yeah, a lot of bonding happens here. Yeah, and I like it. I like those episodes. Um, I think there's not enough of it in a lot of anime I watch where we sort of really just get to know the characters and they get to know each other and sort of sniff each other out and push each other's buttons, I would say, happens a lot in this episode, Uh, especially with your favorite Rika. (laughs) I mean, uh, Rika has her uses, but I I would rather (laughs) hang out with any of the others. Yes. So in this one, Nadu is, it's pretty much Nadu's episode. Nadu's in the fight. The egg girl says, I can't stand the smell of this guy. The wonder killer is like, your parents don't love you. Only I do. Bahahaha. And we see Nadu's psychic space is a bridge. And she gives us her backstory uh, at one point. And Don, what is her backstory? Her backstory here is that her sister stabbed her and then ran off and committed suicide, presumably by jumping off this bridge. Yeah, and not only that, at the end she said, why don't you die too with me? Oh, uh, the sister sort of did? Left an invite to No, to, no, that wasn't... I think, I think you're conflating things. It, that I don't was, think so. That was the other girl that she was... Um, it's... I, Aoi, uh, Nehru is protecting Aoi. Aoi is the hair, right? And the wonder, the wonder killer are these three octopus-like things. And um, Nehru is trying to kill them. And Aoi talks about how she um, killed herself because she didn't want to grow old and ugly. And she wanted to kill herself at the height of her beauty. And said as well that um, Nehru is pretty much only going to get older and wrinkled and ugly. So she could, she should kill herself as well. Right. And that turns out to be a smoke screen of sorts. And that is what echoes in her own years. Now, maybe I missed it. And um, we then find out that her sister said something similar. Yeah. Because she's talking to her sister at one point and she says, why don't you die too? That's what you said to me. And that's when she's sort of revealed what happened with with her sister that's sort of after it happened we're sort of getting it interspliced between Nehru telling this story about about her sister to the girls and we're getting sort of the the resolution of the egg girl of the week and her beautiful hair now i sort of sympathize with that because my but i have to tell her I have to take that girl aside and be like, hey, sometimes you get to be like in your 40s and you still have beautiful hair. And then I'll just like do my little hair commercial flip. I mean, I um, the, the, <laughs> the ephemeral nature of beauty and the transient nature of beauty is something that uh, we're just going to all have to come to grips with. I, I was watching Howl's Moving Castle, in fact. I did That's not a watch it. Beautiful story for that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, I, I loved that. I loved it so much. I ended up buying the books that it was based off of, just because I wanted to sort of understand what was going on a little more and just find out more about the story. It uh, does but, feel very truncated when you watch the movie. Like, there's the movie is fine until the end, and then it feels like things are squished and rushed in ways that don't make sense. 
I don't think it's fine until the end, though. I think there's definitely points where I I felt exhausted by its world building that didn't amount to anything. Uh, I just, there's, there's another kingdom and there's a sorcerer witch who works for the king and like all of that just felt superfluous to me. Well, that's, I guess, why I wanted to know more or read more. Yeah, I think that maybe if there was a little bit more development of that, I would have been more invested. I guess the the movie is already fairly long. Well, they could have cut it entirely and then I wouldn't even known it was there. Eh, You're better off. Am I? I I think you're better off with the way it is. I think it's it's beautiful and I loved it. And I even... What does that whole side story about the war and the kingdom have to do with this girl coming to terms with... I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember exactly the nature of her dilemma. (laughs) She's trying to figure out how to break the curse that causes her to be old. At the same time, wrestling with her growing feelings for Howl. But she also had this sort of like... She had an old soul from the very beginning. And yeah, so she was supposed to live her life, but she had sort of become, she had sort of withdrawn from anything. Society. Yeah, she'd sort of withdrawn from society. So I'm just wondering what all of this hullabaloo about witches and all that stuff has to do. Well, without the tension, then there would be no threat to Howl and there'd be no, um, there would be little dramatic tension because she wouldn't, be needed to save his life. I mean, but I like all this not, stuff. We're not the trying. We're, we are not trying to dissect Howl's Moving Castle. We need to get back to Wonder Egg Priority. No, we need to get back to Howl's Moving pro- Castle Priority. <laughs> You're right. It's kind of it's ironic that the the name Wonder Egg Priority has the word priority in it. <laughs> it ha- it should take about, priority. Here, I want to talk about Howl's Moving Castle and nothing. Uh, it, else. Well, it. It is, if if nothing else, it is definitely worthy of a good uh, good discussion. But sadly, that's not our main focus here. All right, I actually didn't see it until much later. So, it, well, I saw it just in the last two weeks. <laughs> it slotted in for me in a point where um, I think that I watched several of Studio Ghibli's masterpieces, and then I watched that, and I I did like it. It's just that I could see some major flaws and how the story was told for me you know there's there's they they did they they definitely had some bonding here where they were they did some bowling they ate snacks um you know a lot of them sort of confess things uh, we're getting more i feel like this episode is it's it is about the bonding but the the central theme is about Nehru, because this is the first time we've seen Nehru in action. And I would like to point out that Nehru's weapon is some sort of like... Sniper uh, rifle. Well, yeah, she can transform it. It's both a sniper rifle, but also like a, a close uh, short arms weapon, you know, rapid fire. It, uh, this to me is vastly superior to anything else that the other girls are carrying. Although well, Rika does have a nice shout out to kill a kill with her um, scissors. When she, yeah, she does. But when we, when she slays the beast, it, what is it? It's this giant thing, and I, I couldn't exactly see what it was. Was it? Well, there's two is beasts. It a, is it a school compass? Is that what she's using? What is that thing? Oh, the actual, uh, 
you know, what is it that like it shrinks from? down into its item sized? Right. I know. I, I never saw what it was. Compass is a, not a terrible guess. She uses it to like sort of come down on the villain in the end. Well, what was? I mean, what is Momoe's? I don't know. Fence, some kind of fencing. It gear. looked like maybe a letter opener that expanded or something. Maybe that that could be. Momoe doesn't fight enough that I got a great look at it. I guess. But she um, wields it like a rapier. Yeah, she does, and I think that's important. Um, Nadu, gosh, how do I talk about this without giving away things that are coming? You, why don't you not? Can we talk more about um, Suchiro? Because there's a lot of discussion about Suchiro. Suchiro. Suchiro is um, Suchiro Sawaki, uh, Momoe's uncle. Oh, okay. We just call him Mr. Sawaki usually. Okay, Mr. Sawaki. Just to keep it from being confusing. Okay. So, Mr. Sawaki, there is, I I guess I hadn't realized that this is the same teacher that we saw was hugging or pressed up against and, and I saw them. And so the girls actually are doing some sort of gossiping like, Oh, maybe Koito got pregnant. Maybe Mr. Sawaki got her pregnant. Maybe she doesn't want to come back because of that. Yeah, and that's Rika's power is that she can just blurt all that out and just throw it out there without even considering. But there is something fishy about it. Sure, without even considering that it's Momo's uncle that she's talking about. And he's being openly disparaged right in front of her. And yes. it's wildly inappropriate to suggest that Mr. Sawaki was secretly dating Koi Dochan and she got pregnant. Well, yeah, but it might be, except that it seems that there is there's some smoke there. So Yes, I thought it was a very bold move for the series to just lay that out because the audience is already starting to think it. Or at least starting to think that there's something weird going on between Mr. Sawaki and Koito. I actually think it's fairly good of the series to go here because it is absolutely something that people would gossip about and they're and frankly we know ripped from the headlines that this kind of crap happens yeah yeah and as i told you before his previous series was a story about a high schooler dating her teacher or sort of ensnaring him into a dating situation it's it depends <laughs> on which version of it you watch but we also get stuff about I, which comes out of just kind of gets thrown out there without much comment on it. Um, the girls go to her place. She, they bring a present. Everybody has their little personality quirks. Rika wants more uh, dessert. She wants someone else's dessert, Nader's dessert. Um, and uh, and Mrs. Mrs. I, I's mom is so excited to see that she has so many friends suddenly despite not going to school and not having any chance to meet anyone because she never leaves the house. But here we get her talking about her dad for the first time. And she says that her mom is a strong woman. And so she thinks that's why her dad is no longer around. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that was my interpretation as well. One of the, like a reason her father is no longer around is because her mom was so strong. And we haven't seen anybody else's uh, parents yet. 
but we haven't seen their dads or their moms, but we, we have a good idea of Ai's family structure at the very least. And I, and they do talk about how Mr. Sawaki being around has been good for Ai to draw attention away from what she's been doing because she's apparently been coming home with injuries even after that first night um, that she doesn't have to talk about as long as her mom is distracted. Yeah, we haven't really, we haven't gone back because they're, the initial injuries were a topic of conversation and that seems very valid. Like you would have you as a parent, you would be very concerned about your child's wounds. And let's not forget that Nehru was in the hospital for an extended period of time through these episodes. Um, and apparently the implication is don't bring like 50 eggs and crack them all at once, I guess. Yeah. She seemed to have overdone it, overexerted herself physically. But we're but these girls seem to be healing at a at a uh, prodigious rate, and they're also getting like more. They're like buffing up, so it's a sort of a weird combination of effects that I can't tell. Are we supposed to be concerned, or are we no longer concerned because they're healing at like um, Wolverine style levels of capacity? Can I also say that although you see glimpses of eye in the first episode, um, showing attitude and sort of acting her age and being a character she certainly opened up to an extent that like you wouldn't connect the two characters from her flashbacks where she seemed to constantly be sort of going on with the flow not really exerting or impressing it putting any impression on anything to now where she is sort of becoming the glue that holds this group together. Like, and she seems pretty outgoing. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's an interesting, it's an interesting contrast to me because I seriously, like I look at the first version of I that we met or that we met and then the version in the flashbacks and it's, it's so far removed from who she is at this point that I thought it was a mistake that I thought it was bad writing, but maybe it's not like, maybe this is part of who she always was. And she just needed that little push to sort of open her up to these people. Like the, the fact that they called her a sunflower and that they sort of suggested that Momo would get a lot out of meeting her seems to suggest that, you know, and her, her whole look, besides looking like Coraline, um, her whole look, like, definitely feels warm and bright and fun. So, I don't know, but she also has two different colored eyes, and one of them is sort of a warm tone, and one of them is a cool tone. So... Maybe she's supposed to play both sides of that, almost like a bipolar, I guess bipolar is the wrong word, but sort of like someone who is at the mercy of both like, of sort of like um, a roller coaster of emotions that they're not entirely in control of. Uh, I think bipolar does a very good job of describing that. And I don't think you were wrong at all. What was your and take I'm, on I in this episode and, and sort of I mean, where she we seems, she her? seems, well, I thought, Again, I have to turn to Rika in spite of <laughs> in spite of me not liking her character when she brings up the best point, like, why are we doing this? Why are we continuing? Like, we all now have a circle of friends here. We are all united around a common theme. 
and we're all going in there to rescue people. And we don't even know if they want to be rescued. Yeah. Like, why would we do that? Yeah, I mean, great point, um, Rika. I, I hate you, but I you are dead on, girl. Um, and it's it's interesting to have this sort of fourth wall piercing that she keeps doing. And then, in fact, there's no great answer. I like I think Nehru is the one who gives an answer, and her answer is, "Well, I do it because otherwise my scar hurts." And um, frankly, it's kind of a pathetic answer um, because it is totally do. De- unmoored from the emotional which is in fact why they say that uh women women are emotional suiciders right and yet here we have right uh, right here's Nehru saying well you know emotion has nothing to do with that i'm doing it because my scar hurts and if i don't do this then which is completely um sidestepping the fact that there's almost certainly an underlying emotional component that you are refusing to address in this conversation. When I heard that, I thought of this, the, term, the, the phrase does not compute. And it was like, Nehru is trying to figure out why any of this happened. And she just cannot wrap her head around it. And so that's gnawing at her. Like the physical pain of the scar, uh, like sort of like pulsating and aching, uh, just just sort of acting as a reminder that she cannot fathom why this turn of events happened to her and her sister. There's there's a lot about this that or a lot about Nehru that I still want to understand because it's sitting bad in her craw. Yeah, and I don't that I can understand, but I mean we're already talking about a wunderkind who runs her own company and who can disappear into the hospital for extended periods of time and the company is apparently unscathed by this particular event. Do you think that then the company is not like, she may be like the heir apparent to the company or something of that nature, but does not actually do the day by day, sort of like a, a, a child King who has a regent. <laughs> the, that as a successful business model in today's world seems just extraordinarily unlikely. I'll I'll let <laughs> yeah. it slide for now because there's just no point in dwelling on it. We don't know enough, and there has to be some suspension of disbelief. Japan probably operates still on the notion of the of the zaibatsu of sort of like the family owned but also enormous corporation uh, that goes back to like feudal era Japan. Um, maybe it's something like that. Obviously, I can't say what it is because... No, because you know, and you'll be spoiling it. But I would be spoiling it. But if it is that, then... Uh, It it could be. I mean, it could be any number of things, but the idea of having a 15-year-old or thereabouts as a president in a company is just... I mean, like, that's Caligula saying that his horse is a, (laughs) you know... I forget what he did to his horse, but made him an emperor or something. I mean, admit it. The kid who is constantly in the meme with Donald Trump, who wanted to mow the White House lawn, would have made a better president than the man, Donald Trump. You're not wrong there, but people voted Donald Trump in. Like, nobody's voting in Nehru. Maybe I'm wrong again. I don't know. No, I I cannot answer that. But... um. I agree with Rika, and I think that this is a very prescient thing to say, like, to say, like, hey, we should get out of this. We're not getting anything more out of it. We've already got friends. Let's cut our losses and 
like be friends and have a beautiful happy life together like i gotta agree with her there that's that's probably good advice but it would be bad for the show (laughs) it would be it would take the show in an extraordinarily different direction if they're like well now we're just going to talk about the adventures of these four girls who never go and get wonder eggs and never transpire in their dreams anymore can we talk a little bit more lightheartedly here? I, I loved the fact that, and this sort of is a theme that continues through the show, but I loved the fact that the girls don't even bother going into the egg dream. They're just like, or getting their eggs. They're just hanging out in the bowling alley. I guess that's part of the complex where they get the eggs. Right. And where is this escalator that takes you down into the cave? Like that. It doesn't look like they're in a cave, but yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, But they don't even care. They just want to hang out and be chill and talk and bowl. (laughs) And I really like that. Um, And I like how the Akas are constantly like, just buy your eggs and get out. (laughs) Yes, it's true. But the Akas are like weird robot people just sitting at the table, like having tea and drinking coffee. Oh, yeah, and, I think it's so gross when they're like, when they use reverse psychology on them to try to get them to, I think it's Uraaka who's like, yeah, just give up. Don't do it. And then, like, they kind of celebrate cynically together about how they that their their strategy worked and telling the girls not to go made them want to go more. Yep. But, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. It's... We see the friends blow up at each other when when Rika does go all the way there and say like let's give up, and there's sort of a a fracture. Yeah, it's temporary, but it's there, and you definitely feel that like a line, like something, like they're like they may be friends, but they're not willing to. They're not all willing to like just abandon this mission of theirs. It feels like some of them are making a choice that the mission is more important than the friendship. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what happens at the end of this series. <clears throat> I mean, are, what is going to... Let, let's say at the end of the show that everybody's uh, partner is resurrected. What does that mean for this group of girls? Right? For Nehru, we're talking about her sister, but for Rika, I mean... Chiemi is, or her super fan, was never somebody that she was, you know, had a close relationship with. In fact, it's precisely the opposite. Um, and it was a source of a lot of tension and challenge for Momoe. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> it reminds me of um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the fact that you had half of the population that like was vanished off the face of the earth for four years and then came back. It's like, well, what if two people got married and then their spouses just came barreling back? Like, what do you all do now? Right. And this has come up, but there are some moments where I'm not, where they're planting seeds that suggest that maybe Koito wasn't as close to I as I thought. And that maybe Koito was, trying to get with get the attentions of the teacher because the moment that really shines that light on the relationship to me was the one where um i says that 
I goes to her. Uh, okay, let me back up. We get a flashback of I and um, Mr. Sawaki, and Mr. Sawaki is is drawing and sketching her. Mm-hmm. So he's interested in her in some way. He she's the subject, but when this conversation comes up with Koito, Koito's words aren't that aren't happy for I. She suggests that maybe I should not do that if she's not going to be fully committed. If she's going to let down Mr. Sawaki, because Mr. Sawaki is going to move on from teaching. He he wants to be an artist professionally and, and make his living that way as a painter. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And then we see a scene of I looking from afar and it looks like Koito's trying to pitch herself as the subject of a painting or sort of like pull the attention from the teacher that I has been siphoning off. Yep. So these characters that we that we know the girls are trying to quote unquote resurrect, they don't seem like characters that would come back and fulfill the roles that the girls think they're gonna fulfill. I well I Certainly in I's case, there's the most nuance and lack of understanding. And I think in Rita's place, it's the most clarity. It's like, I'm resurrecting this person because they killed themselves. And my whole intention was to have them not care about me at all. And I think she's sort of frustrated or wants to understand if the death really had anything to do with her or not. Well, at one point they do refer to what they're doing as group therapy. And I think that's a really useful term. Yeah, what's happening here. But that's it for this week. Next week, join us again for more Wonder Egg Priority. We'll be talking about episode six. And uh, it, it's just an interesting series. Don, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Okashkuikoyo. Okashkuikoyo. I'm too tired to like say that our Twitter handle is Okashina Podcast. That's O K A S H I N A Podcast. I am too. And direct people there. Like, you want to go there? Go there. You want to go there? Go get an ice cream sandwich.